I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. I need Mary being a nerd. I need Carrie being fucking annoying. And I need Laura running away. That's what I need. Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm her sister Jenny, born in 1974. Today, we're going to continue our look at Little House on the Prairie with Season 4, Episode 9, The High Cost of Being Right. The description reads, Jonathan Garvey is convinced that he has a great crop coming up, but as he is celebrating with his family at the dinner table, a fateful fire burns their entire barn down. With all their plans destroyed, I don't know why I'm laughing at that. (laughs) All their plans destroyed. Alice has a plan to help get them back on their feet, but Jonathan's pride threatens their marriage. Jen? Overall thoughts on this gem this of an episode was horribly written. Yeah, horribly written, horribly acted. I need even to say most something. Most of these actors are usually pretty good. I need to say something. Jonathan Garvey's a terrible actor. He is, and he, I think Alice is too. Kind of. He's not an actor though. He was a football player. Yeah, that's right. And he never did any more. He acting, did like really. a few commercials, yeah. and Michael Landon recruited him. I don't know what that's about. I think Alice is kind of a horrible actor, too. I feel like she's doing that, like, old-timey acting in a weird way. Like that, you know, that that they used to do, like, on radio shows. Doesn't it feel like that? What's she doing? It just occurred to me. Do you think Michael Landon, like, stacks the deck with actors who are worse than him? Probably. So he shines? But he... So Michael Landon directed this. Don Batluck. Batluck. That name sounds familiar. Batluck. Don Batluck. Batluck was the shop teacher at North. <laughs> oh, okay. I think his first name was Don. Okay. But this is Batluck, not Batluck. Okay. All right. Okay, Jen, we open on Jonathan Garvey praying. Hold on. Can we just discuss one thing, too? Yeah. Jonathan Garvey's real name, his last name is Olson. Merlin Olson. How weird is that? He's a terrible actor. He's a terrible actor. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. We open on Jonathan Garvey praying. He thanks God for Alice and Andrew and the best crop ever. Then he says, supper's getting cold, Lord. Gotta go. Okay. He does understand how praying works, right? Like you're not directly talking to God. Oh, you're not? Are you leaving a message? Like you're not on the phone with God. Like I gotta go. I'll see you later. Wait, 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 wait. This is, so you know how praying works. I grew up Roman Catholic. We know how praying works. No, we it's, don't. Who knows how it works? It's a symbolic meditation. It's, it's like a meditation. A, it's a meditation. You're not actually talking to someone. Right. And he is acting like he's on the phone with the Lord and has to hang up because supper's getting uh, cold. It's weird. It's weird. Okay. So Jonathan is so happy with this crop. And then he tells Andy next year they're going to build a new barn because they're expanding. They're expanding. Can I just discuss the dramatic cinematography that is suddenly in this show? That then happens with the fire? Like the crazy music and the following. First of all, I don't have a live fireplace, clearly. Is this how fireplaces, is this how fires work? Like do do flames shoot out of the chimney, out of the roof? I don't know how old fireplaces work. Like nowadays you have a lot of, you know, safeguards in place for that. Oh my god. I don't know. Maybe okay, so yeah, this was an old 
old time thing. And I guess if you're on the dry prairie, yep, this is totally feasible. So we see something go wrong with the fire in a chimney and hot cinders start flying out and onto some hay. It's Jonathan Garvey's barn and it's on motherfucking fire. It is on fire. And I don't think that we appreciate in this day and age in 2021 how dangerous fire was. Like it was. Oh, a, I appreciate it. It was a crazy like thing. Why so did you appreciate it? We've talked a lot about our fear of fire. <laughs> I'm terrified of it. So, but it, it was a thing. Like it, like uh, you know, there's so many safety things now. Thank God. But it, I mean, it constantly terrorized people. Andy asks for popcorn, and Jonathan tells him to go get more wood. He opens the door, and the barn is in flames. So then, Jonathan Garvey runs in to save the animals. Right. Who he'll later sell with no regard. Right. And Alice and Andy wet down the house with buckets. And then we see Jonathan Garvey emerge from the barn on fire. On fire? I'm like, they got some budget here. This is a stunt guy. Clearly a stunt double. Oh, yeah. Clearly. Well, I mean. I'm shocked it wasn't Michael Landon. An actor wouldn't do that. Michael Landon would do his own stunts. Oh, God. He would set himself. But like a fire stunt is a whole different level. It is. He drops and rolls, but Alice has to go over and put him out. (laughs) Alice jumps into hero mode. (laughs) The next day, we see the barn. It's just a shell. It's gone. Jonathan Garvey heads to town where he finds a happy and cheerful Charles doing his favorite thing, Jen, slinging seeds. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. Charles is telling Jonathan Garvey how he's selling all of his crop and doing really well. And Jonathan tells him, I got nothing to sell, Charles. My barn burned down. Charles is like, what? Charles is devastated. Yes. And then Jonathan says he's trying to find work, but Hanson doesn't have anything. Like, is Hanson the only employer in town? What's he doing? Did, does no one need wood for like six months? It's like, feast or famine at Hanson's. Like he's either hiring is, everybody in the town or nobody. That is clearly a front, that place. Clearly. It's clearly a front. Okay. So Charles is like, is there anything I could do? You know, and, and Jonathan's like, no. Jen, broken man alert, broken man alert. There we go. He's a broken man. It's all man. tied to the crop. And we all know what happens in Walnut Grove, when there's a broken man, the women suffer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in history, not just in yes. Walnut Grove. <laughs> yes. At dinner that night, the Garveys are struggling to figure out what they're going to do next. And they're like, we don't even have money for a decent meal on the table. Jen, I have a question. Yes. There is no reason for anyone to go hungry in this in this day and age, in 19 or in 1878 or whatever, because they could hunt. There's woods all over the place. People go hungry now. Yeah, but why doesn't he go out and hunt? I, I mean, I guess you could, but like, how many animals do you have to shoot a day to like? He could get a deer. Could, he could get one deer, and they could live. They're on not going to starve, right? Right. They're not going to starve, but like, that's not a. You, you can't just rely on. If times were tough, meat. that's what people did. Sure, but like, that's not a sustainable. You need some like something else sustainable. Did you ever hear of like roadkill stew? Or, you know, well, they could hunt and gather, too, because there's making crops. I know this from video games. Okay, there's making crops. But then you can also hunt and gather to get other resources, like collect berries and mushrooms. And Are we being totally tone deaf right now to the struggles yes. in 1878? Like, dude, get out there and fucking hunt and gather. What are you doing? What I mean, up? this is trying to get enough food has always plagued humanity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so Alice tells him there's a bright side to everything, Jen, and he could start doing some work around the property now. Alice overacts this whole scene, but somehow I'm okay with that. I like her. I like her, too. Uh She says there's a field, a top field or a field out there that he's been meaning to clear, and he could do it now. The upper field. The upper field. They get into a fight, and I wrote, okay, he's not a good actor, and he gets mad and walks out. And Andy overhears all of this. Is Andy their only kid? That's the only kid. Yes. And is it any wonder that Andy grows up to be Ram and Heathers and is drinking <laughs> and, and like sexually assaulting girls and tipping cows? Because he has had a dramatic childhood here. He had a dramatic on, on screen childhood. <laughs> At the Ingalls, it's the middle of the night and Charles can't sleep. What is the spotlight shining into the room? <laughs> it's the moon. What is that? It's the moon. The moon is not that bright. He tells Carolyn he's going to heat up some milk. How old is he? Usually he drinks coffee in the middle of the night. 
Like, why is he heating up milk at 2 a.m.? I don't know. Did you have to heat it up? Like, was it a not pasteurized thing? I have no clue. I have no idea. I don't know. All I know is my girls, when they were babies, drank warm milk. Sure. Like, I don't know what's happening here. He says he just can't stop thinking about Jonathan Garvey. And he was bragging and he feels really bad. And Charles knows how he feels. And I wrote, oh, does he remember when he threw a tantrum and tried to sell the the farm? Charles knows how he, yeah, Charles has been through this once or twice. And also made the same mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. At the Garvey's later that day, Alice is dressing Jonathan's wounds and my man Charles is there. Because not only is Jonathan now broke, but he has third degree burns all over his body. That sucks, man. (laughs) Charles wants to take him to Doc Baker, but Jonathan doesn't have any money and he ain't taking charity. I mean, you have burns all over your body, dude. Didn't we just see Doc Baker accept apples for payment? What the fuck? Just say yep. to Charles, can I borrow one of Carolyn's pies and bring it to yep. Doc Baker for oh, a look God, at this that, burn? That would be amazing for Doc Baker you to could, get a pie. You could get surgery for one of Carolyn's pies. <laughs> we need like the Doc Baker conversion chart, like what you could get for <laughs> Carolyn's pie. Okay. What can I get plastic surgery for? All right. Jen. <laughs> All right. Let's break down this next scene. Okay. Jonathan says he wants to rebuild the barn, that he has a little credit with the Olsons. Now, keep in mind, Andy and Charles Ingalls are there. Yep. He has a little credit with the Olsons, and he's going to get some nails and stuff. And Alice says, we don't need the barn right now. Maybe we should use that credit for food stuff. Right. Because you don't know what the next couple months is going to bring. That seems reasonable to me. She has the right priorities. Yep. Then Jonathan's like, is that some kind of remark? You saying I can't put food on the table? And he's doing all of this in front of company. Yep. And Alice is like, fuck you, dude. And then she's like, come on, Andy. Let's go to school and I'll walk with you. Doesn't he say something about, like, you think less of me because I don't have a crop now or something? Oh, yeah. it's this Because apparently it's all about the size of your crop. <laughs> it's like... this. And, and from what I'm guessing from his behavior, his crop is tiny. Well, I have to say, though, that she doesn't think he's pathetic because he lost his crop. Or she doesn't think less of him because he lost his crop. She thinks less of him because he's acting like a man-child. Yes, 100%. So he says Alice thinks less of him. And Charles is like, "Mm, I didn't get that impression. She does because you're acting like this. Yes. Not because of what happened with the barn. So then Charles asks Jonathan... To help him bring some corn to Mankato. He's like trying to muster up a job for him or something. <laughs> By the way, Jenny, I just put in the Mimi Beast today. There's a job opening for an English professor in Mankato. Wow, that's funny. I saw that. Should I apply and never come back? <laughs> you moved to Mankato. Because that's what's happened. You go to Mankato, you never come back. That's true. Your that's house true. burns down. Your kids are kidnapped. That's true. Okay, so Jonathan's like, Charles, I ain't no fool. I ain't accepting your charity. And he leaves. Now, Charles is at his house and he stomps yeah. out. Whatever. Jenny has He's acting like a baby. Has that ever happened to you that you've been at somebody's house and they stomp out and leave? Uh, no, I don't think so. That's baller. I feel like that yeah. is like <laughs> pretty good. Like, I'm going to do that next time you come over. We'll get into a fight. I'll drum up a fight and then I'll be like, good day. I'll just walk out. <laughs> good day. <laughs> good day. You'd be like, okay, let me go go make some food or something. (laughs) I'm going to eat this leftover pizza. Cool. Later, Alice finds Jonathan in town and we finally have some clarification on the post office, Jen. Uh, I mean, this post office, what is Well, Miss Whipple was a temp worker. Yes, that's what we find out. And you know what it can all be traced back to? Grace has left them in a fucking lurch. Yep, because of Edward, because of Victor French and Michael Landon's dispute, which people say didn't happen, but I think it did. <laughs> you can't have two egos that size on one set. <laughs> so I'm going to believe that it did. And he left in a huff because of Michael Landon. And now the post office has Mrs. Whipple, who is like 105 and had to come out of retirement. No, Miss Whipple owns her own sewing factory that Mary works at, don't forget. All so right. now she has to work at the post office and do this. Yeah, and she's like 85. And there's Kezia. We don't know if she's gone now. Kezia reads everyone's mail. But, you know, I would just, Grace, I would really think about this because the turnover there is fierce. 
Alice, you mean. I mean, Alice. God. You know what's funny? I kept calling her Grace as well. They're very similar. In that they're friends with Carolyn and they have a hair bun. Like, yeah. They have that dirty blonde hair. Like, they they look the same. (laughs) Okay. So Alice said she can have the job if she wants it. And Manchild is like, you're going to support me now, huh? You ain't taking no job. It's (laughs) maddening. Could you imagine? Are you going to go on the rage corner? Not yet. Okay. Did you did you get the later. did you get the feedback on the rage corner from Jen? No. Jen said that we need this is Jen, our friend who's in the Mimi Bees, our friend of like a hundred years. She says we need coming out of the rage corner music, <laughs> which is so what? is that is that like a meditation, like a relaxation <laughs> thing? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to have to work on that. She's going to send me into the rage corner. <laughs> I'm like, well, was it unclear that she wasn't raging anymore? But okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe it wasn't. All right, Jen. Now we finally have some Laura. Oh, my God. But we don't yeah. see a lot of her. What is going on? What is going on? I was like, she has a couple lines. That's, what happened? I don't know. She looks sad. Like, what's going on? Maybe. <gasps> Maybe they were protesting over the Edwards leaving. Maybe. Maybe. You need to tweet at Melissa Gilbert and find out what happened. I will. During these years. Maybe. Here's what happened. Maybe she and Mary, Melissa Sue Anderson, were like, we refuse to fucking work until Victor French comes back. And Michael Landon's like, you have a contract. And she's like, okay, well, I'm going to do the least amount in my contract. What do I have to do? Three lines? Okay. Here. You got to find out. You got to find out what happened. I will. You got to get on this. I will. So... We see Laura heading to the Garvey's with Carolyn with some food. Yep. And the house, Jen, I'm thinking is the Edwards house. I'm thinking they use the same house. I think so. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So Laura has one line. She asks Andy if he needs help with his math, and that's it. Yeah. So now, guys, we have Carolyn and Laura, Alice and Andy all in the house. Carolyn has brought some food. She's like saying to Alice, oh, I had all this leftover food. Alice is like, dude, we're friends. I'll take it. It's good. So then, Jen, Jonathan comes home and he has gifts for everyone. Jesus. So he gives um, Andy some candy. Andy's sitting there. Now, keep in mind, we got Laura there. We got, you know, Carolyn there. Right there. No, Charles is in oh, there. Oh, it's just Carolyn mm-hmm. and Laura. That's right. So he brings candy home for Andy. And then he gives Alice a hat and it looks expensive well i was just like is he having a meltdown like what's going on here i mean maybe he's doing retail therapy yeah totally so alice is like this is beautiful but where'd you get the money for this jen what did he do he sold the team he packed up that team and he sold them (laughs) there's there's one thing i learned from little house is that to farm you need a team you need a team alice is like what are you doing we need a fucking team like if we're that's our path back to getting on our feet. He's like, what am I doing? I'm providing. Oh, it's bad. It's yeah, real bad. for now, until you're totally broke and have no horse to farm. And can I just say that I, I, in one of my research things, I found this this site that had all these inaccuracies about Little House. And one of them was that they used horses to pull farming equipment and pulling wagons. Mm. They would have they would have used mules or oxen, which are a beast of burden, that versus horses. Because And also, when they would travel, like, remember when they went to California? Mm-hmm. You would never use horses for that because horses are really finicky about what they eat. Like mules will eat anything and oxen mm. will eat anything. Okay. But like they have to feed them on the road. And they also said that they never rode in wagons for long distances or even that like far at all because the ride was so crazy and rough. Like they would walk next to the wagon and they would put like supplies and stuff. In the oh, wagon. that makes sense. Okay. That's crazy. Yeah, right? they're not- they, they rode like 400 miles. California right. Because they're not traveling on roads. No, yeah. so it's like a night, it's like a horrible ride. Okay, got you. All right, anyway. so then they get into this crazy fight, okay? Alice is like, look, I could work. And he's like, I ain't taking charity from my oh, wife. Lord. Guys, I'm not doing just a dumb Southern accent. I'm sorry if I'm insulting people. I'm imitating how he sounds. This is. I don't a, think he has a Southern accent. But this is, he? But I'm just saying it might come off like I'm doing that. I'm not. I'm trying. Because you're bad at imitation. I'm trying to imitate his monotone. And I've written many things that he says verbatim. So mm-hmm. he says, I ain't taking charity from my wife. Like he's got this real deep monotone voice. 
And Alice is like, you fool, it ain't charity. And he's like, don't call me a fool. It's a real defensive response. My God. This is a bad fight. It's right in front of everyone. And he says he's not going to be called names or looked down on anymore. I'm through, Alice. I'm through. And he walks out. And I wrote, better episode title here would be the gaslighting of Alice Garvey. I mean, this is not her fault. And this escalated quickly. But Jenny, don't they know how to exchange a glance? I know. Like, Carolyn and Charles know the glance, mm-hmm. man. Like They know the glance. Here's the glare. We'll talk about this later. <laughs> everyone knows yeah, that. everyone knows it. So later, Jen, we see the Ingles at home, and Charles is loading the wagon and getting ready to go. We see Laura, and Laura's like, Pa, is Jonathan Garvey really going to Mankato with you on Friday? Yes, half pint. Is he going for good? Yes. What? What did we miss? Apparently time has passed. He's walking out on his entire family. So not only. This is the biggest tantrum ever thrown. Not only. Right. At least when Charles throws a tantrum, he takes the family with him. That's true. Good point. This is, you know, I not only did I bankrupt the family through no fault of my own. Jonathan wasn't to blame for that fire. No. But now they have the trauma of that. And now I have to, to abandon yeah. them as well. He's just going to traumatize us. So then Laura asks why people get divorced. And Paul's like, I'm not sure. I don't even know if we know anyone who got divorced. And Laura says, I wish we still didn't. I have an index card. <laughs> okay. What was the divorce rate at this time? Oh, that's a good question, I guess. Is it a percent? It's, yeah, it's percent of a thousand. Or no, it's, I'm sorry. It's not, wait, maybe it's not a percent. That's not how percent works. No, it's not. It's um, <laughs> number of people who got divorced in that year out or of a thousand. thousand. Okay. Yes. Um, 17. Point two. Oh, wow. Wait. That's in 1867. Okay. All right. The divorce rate stayed under one per thousand until about 1900. Wow. And the marriage rate was about 10 per thousand. So in that year, mm-hmm. 10, 10 and a thousand people got married. The divorce rate steadily grew, hitting about, hitting around two per thousand by the 1930s. So still pretty low. Yeah. <laughs> then, then the boomers the, come along. Well, no, the wars actually caused a lot of havoc in the divorce and marriage rates. Yeah. So the world wars did. Um, a lot of people got married before people shipped off. Okay. So the marriage rates spiked, especially before World War II. Makes sense. Huge spike in the marriage rate before um, World War II. But then the divorce rate spiked after World War II because probably all those people that got married, it was just under five people per thousand. Mm. In the mid forties, that's they suspect that's because a lot of people who had rushed to get married before the soldiers shipped off, yeah, um, and regretted it. The marriage rate spiked at fifteen per thousand after and before the war. So a lot of people also got married when people came back right. after the war. Sure. So it was like really kind of weird. The divorce rate did dip again in the nineteen fifties. Not surprising mm-hmm. to around um, two point five and per thousand, but so did the marriage rate. That was down to about eight per thousand in the fifties, mm-hmm. which I was like, I thought people like get married was, th- but everyone was married. Already. Yeah. Like everyone got married during the war. We see them in like the boomers, obviously were just being born at that time. Mm-hmm. We see the marriage rates spike again when the boomers came of age in the seventies. That's when our parents got married mm-hmm. to about 11 per thousand. But then we see the highest spike in divorce ever still holds still the highest spike. In just over five and 1,000 by 1980. Yeah, I read, like, I was doing some research on the different generations, and the boomers have the highest divorce rate. Well, considering the marriage spikes in the 70s, like, most of them probably married fairly young, Mm -hmm. that would indicate. Mm -hmm. So, you know, not surprising, because what you see is the divorce rate now steadily decreasing. But the marriage rate is decreasing. Yeah, just as much. Mm -hmm. So, like, people are just getting married later, making different decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2020, 39% of marriages end in divorce. That's 2.9 per thousand. So that gives you an idea of where okay. that is. All right. Hmm. Interesting. So this is super rare. Super rare. I mean, people like I, I have like, no one got divorced. They just suffered and self-medicated. Yes. yes. And um, they have to wait for a judge to come to town. 
yeah. to divorce them. Well, and think about it too. Like this is a super small town and not that this isn't a still an issue today, like, but it would be less of, right. Cause yeah. you can kind of keep to yourself. You, you know, everyone works in different places and they travel with a car and stuff like everyone knew everyone, everyone, like you would have to be divorced and lived in the same town. Like, of course he's going to have to leave because yeah. it would be super weird. Weird. All right. Later we see the, no. Okay. At the Garvey's, Andy is upset and Alice tells him to go see as much of his father as he can before he leaves town for good forever on Friday. And I wrote, poor little Ram. Poor fucking Andy. <laughs> so Jonathan Garvey, Jen, is now living in a shack on the property. It's, no, no, he's not. I think that shack is in town. Oh, is it? I thought it was on his property. Because when Alice goes out to fight with him later... Mm -hmm. There's a little clip of her running out of town. Oh, that's true. Like back. I wonder if it's the, sh the shack. I think, it's, I think it is. I think that's where it is. Okay. Andy is cleaning it up nice for him and says he wants to clean it for when he comes back. And Jonathan's like, I'm not coming back. And Andy starts to cry. And then Jonathan tells him he will visit. And I wrote, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This poor kid. Did you get a load of his shirt? Andy shirt. No, but I did fixate. I was fixated on Jonathan because he's wearing jeans. Is and he? And I looked up and jeans were originally, they came out in 1873. Oh, so he's like cutting edge. Yeah. He's wearing wow. denim jeans. Um, Andy's shirt has like these weird little, they look like, you know, like when, when stuff gets old and it pills. Mm -hmm. It's like covered in those, but like not from where, like it's a, you know, like, I remember this fabric, and I don't know what it was. Weird. But it has, like, those little... Go look at it. It's weird. Okay. He has it on the whole episode. Jen, what are you saying? Alice doesn't know how to keep clothes nice? What are you saying? I, I think I think she picked a weird fabric. No, it's clearly intentional. It's not from where. All right. Later, Alice and Carolyn are talking, and Alice tells her she took the job at the post office. And, uh, yeah, she has to because she's a single mother suddenly overnight. Yeah. She seems kind of okay with it, though. Yeah. So Carolyn is sympathetic and asks if there's a way they can work this out. Caroline says, like, did you actually ask Jonathan if he'll come back home? Yes, Jenny, raising your hand, go. They have the weirdest conversation. Like, Caroline and Grace's conversations were so much better. Like, did the acting or is this writing just know. so bad that this is just such a strange, unbelievable conversation? Well, Carolyn Caroline's even acting horribly in it and she's a good actress like what carolyn what is trying to force her back into the mold yeah, and alice is. is like dude i didn't do anything to break up this marriage no. i am guilt free here i got a job i'm i'm living the life so then carolyn gives her the good old um she's like i'm right and carolyn gives her the old essentially you can be right or you can be married but you can't be both <laughs> And then well, she, she says, gives her mom guilt. Then she says, you're paying a high price for being right. But she gives her the mom guilt. She shovels the mom guilt on at the end. Yeah. Now, here's my question to you. You know, I struggle with the titles of this show. Yep. The title is The High Cost of Being Right. So when it's referenced in the show, shouldn't it match the phrase that is said? Carolyn says, you're paying a high price for being right. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know. Right. Maybe. So the next morning, Jonathan is leaving his shack and saying goodbye to Andy, who's sobbing and holding on to him. Charles pulls up and Jonathan gets in the wagon. But before he can, Alice runs out to him to have the last word. And Jen, he won't even talk to her. Did you notice there was an unfired gun on the side? I did notice. <laughs> um, he won't even talk to her. This, again, was the most awkward scene. Yep. Why wouldn't Charles get up and go inside or get up and walk away from I know. The, the wagon? Alice says, look, I'm not going to beg you, but I love you and this is dumb. And he's like, I'd be willing to stay if you gave up that job of yours. And then he Don't tells do her it, he has rules. And one of his rules is that she can't work. And she's oh, like, she she's like, no, no, goodbye. Have fun in Mankato. See ya. The Garveys have aired more shit in front of the Ingles in like this half season than the Edwards did in three years. Jenny, I wrote, hey, Charles. Now would be a good time for some of that wisdom, dude. Yeah. Say something. Charles seems like he's kind of like. Charles doesn't agree. Party. And Jonathan says to him, like, you don't agree with me, do you? And John and Charles is like, hey, whatever, whatever goes on between you whatever, two. Whatever, dude. Since when does Charles butt Since out when? anything? Since when? Does he not butt in? Yeah. <laughs> Since when? 
All right, so Charles and Jonathan arrive in Mankato, and Charles meets up with the dude who doesn't tr- trust his word, Jen, and wants to count every ear of corn in the bag. In the in the wagon. In the wagon. Charles tells Jonathan he might want to go get settled because he's going to be here a while. Yep. And where does Jonathan head? Saloon, yeah. I'm shocked we didn't see Edwards there. I'm psyched mm-hmm. that there's a saloon again because all, all kinds of fun shit goes down when there's a saloon. He goes and he starts gambling, Jen. Because why not? He's got tons of money. And then he gets into a fight. Well, he thinks he's getting cheated. He is getting cheated because there's five aces in the deck. I'm assuming he had three aces in his hand. Well, the dude had three aces. And then Jonathan has a pair of aces. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought it was the other way around. Because I'm like, why didn't he just throw down that three aces and be like, I don't care if there's five aces. So they Okay, so he's getting cheating. He flips the table. So remember, guys, what I said. The actor who plays Jonathan Garvey is six foot five. He's an ex-football player, professional football player. So when he's getting beat up, who does he call the rescue? Five foot four Michael Landon. <laughs> well, there's five guys beating him right. up, first of all. So Michael Landon but- comes in and he rips one of the guys off of him, and the guy goes, Who are you? And he's like, A friend. And then boom, the guy punches Michael Landon out. Yeah. It's weird. And here we are again. Charles has to go wrestle another friend out of a bar fight. <laughs> he is probably like, I thought this was going to end when Edwards left. I know. So Jonathan, after that, they're like cleaning him up. And Charles is pissed. And I don't blame him. And Jonathan's like, I think I'm going to go home and I'm going to clear. Oh my God. I'm going to clear the field. How many more ways can you fuck with this family? Never mind. Oh. I'm coming home, but never mind. It's not for good. Oh my God. So let's, let's get this straight. So he ran away from home, lost at poker, got into a bar fight and then went home. Yeah. Essentially. He's like a four year old, except for the bar fight and poker. Right. (laughs) So he decides he's going to go home, clear the field. The one that Alice told him to clear weeks ago. Yep. Without a team. Mm -hmm. He's going to do this Mm -hmm. without a team. Because it will add more value to the house and earn her more money. So is he, Implying that he's going to sell the house? I don't know. Whatever. Trying to follow this logic is like, I don't know. So back at Garvey's, Andrew's upset and Alice is like, look, we have to be, we have to get used to your father being gone. He abandoned us. It's over. Yeah. Yep. And all of a sudden, Andrew opens the door and he's like, pa, pa. And he goes, and there's dramatic music. Dramatic. Alice is all happy and Andrew runs to him and is all happy. And Jonathan is like, I'm not really back. I'm just back to clear the fields. And Andrew's devastated and runs off. And Alice is pissed, and I don't blame her. Alice is like, how much are you going to put this kid through? Thank you, Alice. So Alice is pissed, and she says, you know what? I'm fucking done, dude. When this judge... That's not what she says. She says, it's all over between us for all time to come. Oh, that's pretty good. Who wrote that? pretty good. Oh, that's terrible. It's pretty final. Oh, it's final. So there, I need a t-shirt that says it's all over between us for all time to come. So she's like, dude, when that judge gets here, we're done. Yeah. And I don't blame her. All right. Next we see Laura and Andy at the falls and he's upset and she's talking to him about his pod. Andy says the most brilliant thing. The adults are all acting like kids. Maybe it should work the opposite. Maybe kids should get married and have parents. Nice quip, but... Like, it's kind of stupid. It's dumb, but I thought it was funny. But Laura has no role here. Laura has no personality. Like, old Laura would have made some kind of remark about that. Yep. It would have been funny. Yep. What is going on? I know. She is silenced. Our girl is silenced, and I will She's not basically a prop. It. She's basically a prop. All right. Later, Charles is being fitted for a new shirt by Carolyn. And then Carolyn pulls out some blue material. And Charles is like, and he says this, that is too sissy for me. Oh, my God. I'm not wearing it. And Laura's like watching them go back and forth. And then she starts to freak out that they're going to get divorced. She has a breakdown. Mm -hmm. Jen, do you remember this happened to us with the Hotel California fight? I do remember this. Yeah. So our dad was in bands and maybe you should tell it because I don't have as good a memory about it as you do. Um, so dad came home very, very, very late from a job the one Probably night. drunk. Definitely drunk. Yeah. And mom was pissed because he was home so late. 
and they got into a big fight and their room was right next to our room. And we we never heard that fight. They never fought. And we hear them yelling at each other and having a huge fight. And then Amy starts crying, I'm sure. No, 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 no. First of all, we called the Hotel California fight because he was at a bar called the Hotel California. That's right. And That's right. they started fighting. So you and I are up. Jenny and I shared a bed in a room. And we're up and we're talking now. And we're like, fuck, they're going to get divorced. Whatever. So then I wanted to cry to lure them in to the room to talk to them. Was this, um, how old were we? We were young. And then you started slapping me across the face to get me to cry. Okay. <laughs> this did not happen. Yes, it did. No Yes, way. it did. Yes. Because you definitely would have just been crying. You cried no. on the drop of a dime. No. I couldn't you cry. You remember this like, wrong. Let me hit you. And you hit no. me. Yes, you, you remember this yes. wrong. You couldn't cry. Couldn't you cry. cried at everything. Cry. You cried at everything. So we st- There's no way that's what happened. So we started crying and mom came in and talked to us. Years later, mom told us that she saw so upset, she vowed right then that they would not get divorced. Not that she was thinking about getting divorced, but it like settled her in the marriage. So that's our fault. It's our fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Jenny's fault. See, because I was the emotional uh, worker. The emotional the one who couldn't ca- who couldn't <laughs> cry, apparently. Well, you know, I was woken up in the middle of the night. I couldn't cry. You cried at everything. Jenny. Literally everything. I could have just showed you the Scooby Doo doll, and you probably would have cried. For all I know, I was probably crying, and you were like, "Let me slap you to make you cry harder." <laughs> I did not <laughs> slap you in the face. There's no yes, way she that did. Happened. Yes, she did. Yes, she no. did. I can't believe like what you remember <laughs> that didn't happen. It happened. Okay. So then, um, oh, Laura. So Laura's freaking out, and Jen. It's all because Jonathan has traumatized. Everyone, everyone with everyone. his childish behavior. Can we discuss though that Mary and Carrie aren't in this episode? They're not even in the all. house, but they're not. They don't even address that, right? Isn't that weird? Like they don't even say like, "Oh, Mary's like Carolyn, I don't know." They should just mention her, right? Like they could have said Mary studying, like well, something, yeah. anything yeah, yeah. to like cues. Like where the fuck's Carrie? Carrie's like four. Yeah, it's a one room house, two, dude. It's a one room house. She's got. Where's your Where's your four year old? Yep. Like where's your four year old? So Paul says to prove to Laura that they're not going to get divorced, he's going to allow, allow Carolyn to make the sissy blouse for him. Oh, fucking believable. Charles Landon is not. Charles Landon? Not, <laughs> oh, my God. I'm okay. Michael Landon is not shining in this episode. Mm-mm, mm-mm, he's not. He directed it, too. But this guy, this crazy guy wrote it. I don't like his writing no. at all. He fails the MFA program. Failed. Failed. He doesn't even explain where Carrie and Mary are. Nope. So at Garvey's, Jonathan is fixing some shit while Alice is in the background working her ass off, doing his laundry, probably. Alice as the Rosie the Riveter, like, yes. little hat bandana on. Yep. It's great. He asks her about the post office, and sa- she says she only works half days on Wednesdays. And then he's like, oh, that that's good. It gives you a chance to get caught up on women's work. He- and then he said something about it. It can't be easy to do that and this. And she's like, this was never easy. Did you feel a little mm-hmm. like a, I felt? Did seen. you feel a little solidarity mm-hmm. there, Jen? He's the absolute worst. We called him the fixer last episode. Now I'm calling him yeah, the breaker. He's the breaker, <laughs> <laughs> the breaker of women and children. Unbelievable! Like his insecurity is unreal. Then like Alice gets the best dig in. She's like, "Well, you could clear really that. Does. You could clear that field faster with the team we used to have." Well, no, because what does he say first? I forget. Like he goes, "I'm going to go clear the upper field." Like with my might, basically, mm-hmm. because that's something I can still do better than you. Yeah, yeah. And because she's a woman, and she says, "Well, I'd have a team to clean that, clear that field if I was clearing it." <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Sick, sick burn, Alice. Yep. Later, Alice goes up to the field where he is clearing, and he tells her he will send her money once he's gone. And Alice tells him the judge will be here tomorrow at noon and we're supposed to meet him at the courthouse and we need two witnesses. So I asked Charles and Carolyn, of course, and I wrote, this is fucking ridiculous. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. Like, this is really going to happen? So the next day, it's a super grim sight at the schoolhouse. (laughs) Well, did you catch the crazy dude playing the harmonica? No. Like when they're coming into town, the scene coming into town, there's a dude sitting like on the Olsen's bench playing a harmonica. I think it was the judge. (laughs) Okay. 
I was super weird. That's what I mean. It's like random and strange. Go check it out. It's weird. To make this more depressing, they've decided to bring along their son. Why don't they just send him to wherever Mary and Carrie are? Like, I'm going to get divorced. I'm going to bring my kid with me. Well, is Laura there? No. So what? Just send him with Laura. I know. He's old enough to stay by himself. I mean, 10 was the equivalent of 20 in this day. Yeah, that's true. Well, Mary must be watching Laura. (laughs) Maybe. I wrote, they terrorized him enough. Again, no wonder he grows up to become Ram. Okay, so the judge is super weird, and he's like, I don't know. He sounds like a munchkin from Oz. Like, I don't know what that I thought he, I'm like, he seems familiar, but I looked him up and nothing he did was familiar. The judge thinks it's weird that they agree on everything. And, and Alice is like, well, we agree on everything except one thing, custody of our kid. I was like, is Alice going for full custody? Well, she kind of does a reverse. Yeah. Wasn't that assumed? She pulls the smart move of he's your kid. You take him. <laughs> no, that's not what they're doing. Is this Andy's Probably. like devilish plan, Probably. or is it Alice? Like, I would have liked a scene where Andy and Laura cooked this up. Laura cooked this up because mm-hmm. they totally would have. Mm-hmm. So Alice says Andrew wants to live with Jonathan, and she's okay with it as long as he remains in Walnut Grove. And Andy says to them, "Even if you hate each other, I still love you both." And this leads to Jonathan being like, "I don't hate your mother." And now we have some softening of the rhetoric. This is so, so badly written, though. So as long as they don't hate each other, you should stay married. I know. <laughs> like, is that the... I know. But it's just so, it's so, so badly written. Then they start fighting again, and everyone just lets them. Yeah, they're, like, yelling at each yeah, other. Yeah, and Alice and is like, um... I, you don't listen to what I say. Yeah, you don't listen. And I forget, what what is it that that he thinks she calls him foolish or crazy. dumb? Crazy. Crazy. But she doesn't. She says, like, this no, plan doesn't. is crazy or something. She says something and he calls himself, oh, what are you implying that? Like, I'm crazy. Well, he didn't say, what are you implying? He said, what are you saying? I'm crazy. Yeah. Which he didn't. Right. So all of a sudden, Jenny, give me a drum roll. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the worst scene ever. Oh, I hate this scene. I want to punch everyone in the, in the scene. I want to punch a hole in my wall. All I of hate a this sudden, scene. Charles bursts out laughing in the fakest laugh I think I have ever seen. And Jonathan's like, dude, are you laughing at me? Are you high? I thought they were all high. And then Charles is like, you're not listening. She's not calling you crazy. You're calling you crazy. I, I'm like, are they high? Where's Scapeo? <laughs> <laughs> then, guys, Carolyn starts with the crazy laughing. And it's just this fake, nervous laughter that is so yes, dumb. That's exactly what it and is. That's exactly Grace what it and is. John, or Alice and Jonathan start laughing, and everybody's laughing. And then they hug, and then the judge and is like, "Everything's fine. Everything's the fine." The judge is They're like, "Your wife didn't say you're crazy, but I'm saying it. You are." Yeah. And yep, he's right. And then Andy's like, "Can we go home now?" And he's like, "Yeah, let's go." And they leave. That's it. Everything's fixed. And then he says. Well, if Alice will, will you guys come to dinner? We'll have a good dinner if Alice will spend some of her post office money. Yeah. So now he's totally he's fine, fine with this. It. It's over. Just just don't give her the gun wow. if she works at the post office. Wow. This is like. I am personally offended by the quality of this episode. Guys, something took a bad turn in season four. I don't know what's happening here. We go from the brilliance of the bully oh. boys to this. <laughs> Like Laura, the Laura getting sidelined. I'm not okay with that. Not okay with it either. And Mary and Carrie are gone. Yeah. We did have a lot of Mary in the earlier episodes. We need to come back to an Ingalls focus. Yeah. I need yeah. shirtless paw. I need Carolyn and paw making out in love, talking about their past. I need Mary being a nerd. I need Carrie being fucking annoying. And I need Laura running away. That's what I need. I mean, the only episode that I think was really great was the handyman. I don't think that episode was great. <laughs> this was bullshit. This was, this was horrible. This was personally offensive. It was so bad. It was real, real bad. The episode I wrote for our April Fool's Day episode was better than this. Way better. Way better. Okay. All right. Jen, whose fault is this? This is squarely, clearly 100% Jonathan's fault for being an insecure sexist asshole. The breaker. It's the breaker. It's the breaker. <laughs> Although it is kind of the writer's fault too, who is fucking terrible. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Isn't it always 
It's always the, the writer's, writer's fault. fault so so you like, gotta focus this is on like especially, but this is like especially bad. Okay. All right. So at the end of every, I concur, by the way, hundred percent. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I look back on a theme or a lesson or something we took from the watch and either on the rewatch or something when we originally saw it in the seventies and eighties. And we think, you know, why is this part of our psyche? What, how has this affected us? It's designed to finish the sentence. Gen X, this is why Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So I, I, I didn't remember this. This episode didn't stick in my mind. Um, this is why you never, ever, 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 ever put all of your corn in the same barn. <laughs> like if this, if this was my shit, if this was my crop, I'd be stuffing ears of corn all over the place. They'd be under rocks, in the creek, under the bed, in the food. Do you think there'd just, there'd just be ears of corn everywhere. Do you think that's why we do things like this as Gen Xers? Like put our money in different places. If well, we well, ever no, have our any. grandparents, no, our grandparents did that. Graham's generation did that because of the stock market, yeah, like yeah. because their parents were part of the stock market crash. So they didn't trust it being in a but bank because banks were insured at that but time. Do you think we, so they would just stuff money everywhere. But do you think not, I don't have money stuff everywhere, but do you think that it was just the mindset of always having a fail safe? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I think that came from our grandparents though. Cause like that generation yeah, did not trust everything. things like yeah. banks and yeah. All right, Jen, here's mine. This is why the ERA still hasn't passed. (laughs) We are bombarded with this message over and over and over again that men should provide. It's exhausting. It's ridiculous. The ERA still not ratified. Yep. Still sitting there, has passed both houses, both branches, ready to be ratified. Still not ratified. This is why. This is why. Because women just are useless and need to be home and doing the women's work. In Okay, so here's my issue. This was written in 1970 what? I don't know, 77? No, we're in the the late 70s now. The ERA, the amendment was presented in the 30s. Yep. On my birthday, by the way. Mm. Not my my birth year. Right. Right. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but you know, they've been trying to ratify that bitch. And this is why, because things like this are in our culture, like just these messages. Well, I think what is going to change this once and for all is the acceptance that gender identity and gender, that gender is a social construct. Yeah. That's what's going to change this. Because we grew up in a very gendered world. Like pink for girls. These things are for girls. This is for girls. Like that is start, that is starting to go away. Mm-hmm. Thank God. And until that changes, you're going to still have a little, you're still going to have this. So here's what happened. You need like 38 states to ratify the ERA, the equal rights amendment guys, which guarantees equal protection under the law, regardless of sex. So, um, they needed 38 states to ratify it. And they were at like 32 or 33. And then um, there was deadlines set and not met and passed, whatever. But then like some woman came out and she was like head of the women's conservative movement oh, in the yeah, 70s. Yeah, yeah. And five states revoked their ratification. Yep. So recently a bunch of states had ratified it. Even Virginia was the last claiming that they were the 38th state. And so it should be good now. But now there's like, it's caught up in the courts because they're like, well, these five states revoked it. So like, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. I mean, in 2021, the House Republicans voted against the Violence Against Women Act. So yeah, this is why ERA is still not a thing. Because of this kind of bullshit. Because this is not, I'm sure... Is it indicative of the time, the attitudes indicative of the time? I'm sure it was. Right. But this is not like it's a storyline pulled right from her book. Like, is there a storyline in the book of Alice Garvey getting a job at the post office and Jonathan being upset? No. No. So this was, you know, I mean, I'm not saying they need to portray Jonathan as liberal as Charles Ingalls. But. They're using the vehicle of the 1800s to push this idea forward in the 70s. Yeah, like they could have had. Charles being the voice of reason here and being like, Jonathan, you know, your wife just wants to help support the family. Why don't you let her? I would forgive being Mm -hmm. more progressive than they were in the 1800s than the opposite. Yes. Right. Like because you're filming it in the 70s. Right. right, right. That's okay. It's okay. 
All right. Okay. So Jenny, why don't you tell everyone what's coming up next? So the next little house episode is, oh, we're doing this one. It's going to be the episode 10, the fighter 14 years after being abandoned by his wife and son, a famous boxer named Joe Kagan passes through Walnut Grove. When a fighting match goes horribly wrong, Doc Baker and the townspeople learn that the ailing man who sacrificed his family for his career will only survive if he agrees never to enter the boxing ring again. Okay. All right. So another rando coming to town. Another thing is ending disastrously. And another instance where Doc Baker fails us all. Yep. I'm looking forward to this. Although, I better get some Laura. Uh, I don't know. Doesn't sound like there's a line there for her. Yeah, no. You got to find out what happened. I'll find out. Why, why was Laura silenced in season I'll four? I'll call up Melissa Gilbert. <laughs> Just go. She's, she lives in upstate New York, not far from you, like a couple hours. Oh. Just go drive and hang outside her house and just put a big sign up. What happened to Laura? <laughs> Laura, use your voice. Where's your voice? What happened to Laura in season four? Tweet at me. <laughs> All right, guys. So thanks a lot for listening and we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. Amy here. If you'd like to support our podcast, please consider leaving us a review wherever you listen. To send us an email or connect with us on social, please visit us at genxthisiswhy.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.